Hello and welcome to another edition of Parkour Ed. My name is Colin Daly and I'll be hosting a show with teachers from the Lycée Français de Singapour. We all come from different cultures and backgrounds. We all speak different languages, but we have the same employer. So this podcast brings us together and gives us an opportunity to share our parkour. What is it that brought us to the Lycée Français de Singapour? And eventually we'll find that we probably have more in common than we do have differences. And we've just been joined by Sebastian Clergeau, who is the director of the kindergarten here at LFS. And he himself is... Uh, a director who has lived in Australia. He's originally from France, and um, he's been here now for... It's been a little more than two years. A little more than two years, and so uh, coming from Melbourne or Sydney? Uh, Before coming to Singapore, yes, I was You're in in Melbourne, and we're just uh, having a a discussion on the meaning of the word expat, and are we expats, and how expat expat means something... uh, as far as contracts are concerned, you know, but it also means something as far as, you know, assimilation to the local culture and how we, we try, we don't try, we, we live in a French neighborhood, those of us who live around the school, it has become a French neighborhood over the past mm-hmm. 10 years, uh, but also um, we work a lot. We spend a lot of our time in this building, <laughs> and la- uh, French is the lingua franca of this building. So anyway, I don't know if you'd like to join our conversation about uh, expats. Yeah, well, thanks for inviting me, Thanks Colin. for coming. Thanks uh, for coming. Thank you. Uh, expat. Yeah, I never really considered myself as an expat, because okay. uh, uh, expat m- it means that you, you, you've left your home country for a little while, and you're bound to get back, and right. and there's an idea of, of being a, a sort of a, of a misfit in a way being an expat you know misfit wherever you arrive uh, i don't really consider myself like this uh, it's a bit cliche to say that nowadays but uh, uh, you know we just uh, uh, you know the people of one same planet and we are you know lucky to have different cultures in different countries right and uh, i think it's a great opportunity to be somewhere and live there for a few years and share the daily life of people and to be in a very very different different environment so it's just just an experience really yeah uh, you know when i go back to france because it's been now almost 10 years that i've been away yeah uh, you know i feel like traveling to to a different country so yes that's where my roots are uh, but considering myself as an expat uh, uh, from a french perspective mm, i'm not so I, sure i think I, I agree with you the expat uh, the idea of an expat is somebody who's transplanted mm-hmm. and they are not expected to assimilate because they're eventually going to go home mm-hmm. after a short period of time but uh, you know the three of us in this room right now have been here uh, or away from home for a long time, either here or somewhere else, away from mm-hmm. home for a long time. And so it doesn't apply in the same manner. But getting back to the idea of contracts, now this is something, one of the purposes of this podcast was for um, uh, to kind of create a bridge between the, the, the French cultural, you know, people from France who teach here and people from everywhere else who teach here. And there is a vocabulary in education no matter where you come from. There are acronyms, you know, that that means several different things. But there's also the contract structures in a school that, in French schools around the world, after working in French schools since um, the early 90s at first, took me a long time to figure out what do they mean by, you know, 
contrat résident, contrat expat, contrat local, vacataire, uh, all these different terms in French that, uh, to me, are clear now. But um, there's a different structure uh, to how things are done here. And, and uh, the idea of an expat contract is one that has an expiration date on it, doesn't it? It does. It does. It's three to five years. Yeah, three to five years. Three to five years. So they use that language on our contracts, uh, or if you have one of those kind of contracts. I do not. Being an American citizen, uh, I don't. Um, But uh, I just thought that would be something that a, a lot of people like me at this school don't understand. You know, they think, you know, we're all working for the same mm. company, but mm. we're not. We're all working for France, but um, our our salary comes from a different place, depending on what kind of contract we have, right? Yes, indeed. Actually, uh, uh, it, the difference between like a local contract, an expat contract, or a resident contract, it all comes from the the joys of the of the French uh, administrative intricacies. Because uh, uh, um, yes, being a, an expat, there's, there's, there's the idea that after a certain amount of years, three to five years, you're going back to France. But uh, on a local contract or a resident contract, there's the possibility to f- for you to actually stay in the country. Right. Um, but I think you know. Uh, first and foremost, we all, you know, work for the kids. That's right. Uh, whichever is your type of contract. Um, nowadays, there's going to be fewer and fewer expat contracts uh, anyway. True. And there's many French schools around the world where expat contracts don't exist. When I was in Australia, I, I was on a local contract. Right. And uh, what is sure is that uh, on your, you know, uh, uh, daily activities at work, it really doesn't it make no any difference. It really at all. doesn't. Yeah, that's that's why that's one of the main reasons why many many teachers who aren't French and haven't gone through the uh, l'éducation nationale to become teachers, mm. they don't really understand the differences because it doesn't show up in your daily work, and and, and as it shouldn't. My own personal experience um, was first teaching in Taiwan at the. Uh, Uh, Taipei French School, I guess we called it at the time, even though it was part of the European school. It was before it moved mm-hmm. up to their lovely campus in Yangmingshan. And uh, I was a vacataire, which meant, I guess, mm-hmm. I guess that meant just somebody they dragged in off the street. <laughs> I was walking by at the right time, and I was teaching. And uh, eventually, moving back to the United States, getting my master's degree, dragging along my lovely French wife, who is a teacher from the Education Nationale, Um, at the time, they called them institutrices, which now they're now professeur des écoles, which mm. is uh, another administrative change, purely administrative, that someone like me has to wrap his head around because it's just words, really. Mm. Um, and then we moved to Boston, Massachusetts, where she had a resident contract. Um, so she was a résidente. She was paid in, uh, in euros in, uh, in France. But then the school was... Deconventionalized in French, we say. Deconventionné, yes. as are most of the schools in the United States now, because mm. they they can't maintain the um, they can't maintain the uh, the program, the French program. They always have to add some American parts to the program for whatever reason. So her status changed uh, to a local contract, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and the and the timeline goes on and on. And so tracking these these changes, um, it's it's interesting. And in the time that I've been here since 2006, there's been a shift, and and maybe you've seen it even in the shorter time that you've been here, of 
people arriving and staying for a year or two or three with their families and then moving on. Um, but now, nowadays, I'm seeing students in Terminal that I had in Seyran. Their parents have come on an expat contract and they've stayed on a resident and then it's changed to local. And now some people are practically willing to pay their employer to let them stay. So, um, what 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 are your thoughts on that? Is this is are we changing from an uh, this expat style to just French people or foreign people moving abroad and living and working abroad and staying abroad? Yeah, I think that's that's what it comes to. But I think it also depends. Uh, you know, uh, bouncing back on the example you just you just gave us, I think it also depends on the country where you you're staying. Yeah, yeah. it's a nice place. Right. People, you know, they they wanna they wanna make sure they can stay a, a couple of <laughs> a few years. Yeah, uh, we see it here. You know, people arrive on a either expat contract or you know local contract, but uh, uh, from France or from other countries. And at the end of the tenure, they wanna stay. They wanna stay a little longer because it's a nice country. Yeah. When I was in uh, uh, in the U.S. or when I was in Australia, it was the same. People would come originally for a couple of years, but uh, they were trying everything they could to 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 extend uh, the length of their stay because those places were so nice. I imagine, on the contrary, that there's some parts of the world where people are, you know, are meant to go there and stay for three years, and at the end of the three years, they're happy to go yeah. back or somewhere else. We are lucky here. Mm. This is the kind of place we like to stay. I think the United States, my experience with uh, friends and colleagues in the United States, everyone was very pleased with their life in the United States, but for tax purposes, after your second year, it gets more challenging if you're on a local contract Absolutely. to pay the taxes, mm -hmm. which we don't have that problem so much here in Singapore. The tax rate is pretty low for, for, for teachers yes, because our salary doesn't go past that huge number that it has to pass for them to start taxing us on a bigger bracket. <laughs> Maybe someday it will, but not yet. Mm -hmm. um, so tell us a little more, Sebastian, about your, your parkour. You know, how did you get to be, first of all, what, what made you want to be a teacher? And how um, did you end up at the pinnacle of teaching, a director? Well, pinnacle, I'm not so sure, but <laughs> it's, it's just an opportunity that came up one day. I see. But uh, I've always loved the idea of education, and I love kids. Yeah. Um, I was lucky to start my education, in, in my career in education at, at a pretty early age. But I was working overseas, and I was teaching uh, uh, teachers and uh, uh, student teachers. Uh, in, in countries in, in, in Africa and uh, I really enjoy that and I came back to France and I, and I worked at uni with some uh, students who were here on the short or long term to learn French and I really enjoyed because we had uh, uh, in that university of mine I was working at in Angers uh, we had about a thousand students from all over the world so you were walking in the class and uh, you had students from the US from China from uh, uh, Singapore from Brazil from wherever so uh, um, every day uh, I was traveling the world in the class I really enjoyed it but I came uh, after a few years to realize that what I really wanted was, you know, to to uh, to interact and to teach and uh, uh, kids of a much younger age. Right. So uh, I joined the Education Nationale. I went back to my books, studied mm -hmm. again, yeah, and discovered uh, uh, a whole new world, uh, which I it was a, a, a it was a culture shock uh, for me. 
because uh, uh, it, it's really something very different, you know, working with adults and working with children, even though it's all about education and teaching and learning. Uh, it's a big, big, big difference. I think the main difference is that adults, you know, are, are intrinsically motivated. So uh, uh, you can be uh, the best teacher or the worst teacher if the students are motivated with the adults. It's usually fine. Right. But, uh, you know, pupils, uh, primary, secondary school, you got to be good because otherwise yeah. you got to capture their attention and make sure that they feel they can so, improve. Um, yeah. So, yeah, and, uh, and uh, because, uh, 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 as always say in French, I caught the virus of, uh, of li living uh, abroad uh, yes. in, my, uh, in my first years uh, in Africa and prior to that in, in uh, all around Europe. I wanted to, to travel again, so I applied for schools all around the world, and uh, I was happy to be uh, uh, to be chosen to go work uh, in the U.S. in in California, San Diego. San Diego. Oh, so lovely. I worked there, yeah. For <laughs> I worked there for three years. It was uh, a, a great experience. I was teaching four-year-olds. Okay. Uh, in, a, in a very nice school. It was a small school uh, within a beautiful setting. We mm -hmm. were on, on top of uh, Mount Soledad in La Jolla. So uh, the school playground was overlooking, you know, uh, the Pacific mm -hmm. Ocean. Uh, and nice. I, and, and I've always been a keen surfer, so I could actually uh, uh, check the swell, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, from the playground. So that was That's that great. was just great. And um, uh, and after that. Because, um, as you know, Colin, yes. uh, in the U.S., after the, the, the first three years, it's usually very complicated to, to extend uh, your stay. It's possible. It's, it's possible. It's usually it's very complicated. So we moved on, and I, was, uh, uh, I applied for several jobs, and there was this opportunity of, uh, of being uh, uh, the director of the French-English section uh, of the French school or an Australian school in, in Melbourne, Australia. So I applied, and, uh, and I got the job. So That's, that's great. How, that's how it started. That's the first time I met you, Sebastian, was in Melbourne when there was a yes, mutual I remember friend, that. Emmanuel, yeah. Emmanuel Bernet, Bernet, was on a, a, f a training mission. and Through a mutual friend. Yeah, we were, we were there on, uh, on holiday. That's the beauty of, of the French educational system. It is one of the few systems that's based on, on a country's educational program that is found all over the world, the AOFE, mm -hmm. which is, uh, what does AOFE stand for again? Does anybody know? Uh, Association Education Francais à l'étranger. C'est l'Agence like pour l'enseignement français okay. à l'étranger. Okay, we see who the real pro is here. <laughs> um, yeah, it basically it's an agency that promotes French education abroad, and it depends on the Ministry of Culture. Is that correct? Uh, Ministry of Foreign Affairs. Ministry of Foreign mm. Affairs. Oh, good, and that creates a great opportunity for teachers to work abroad, um, and to. You know, there's puts there's value placed on teachers who come from France and and bring what's current uh, to to the schools abroad. Um, in other cultures, I'm sure it's not it's not so easy to find schools. Um, I didn't know that these schools existed until I stumbled across one in Taiwan when mm. I was traveling mm -hmm. teaching English back in the day. Um, so it's uh, a, it's a huge network, uh, approximately uh, uh, 400 schools throughout the world, and. Uh, Almost every single country uh, yeah. has a French school in it, and uh, yeah, and it's a great opportunity for teachers uh, because if you're a good teacher, uh, you you can actually uh, 
do a career yeah. working, you know, all over the world. What's also interesting is that there's a the French curriculum is 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 solid and mm -hmm. it's it's centralized and and so a student who is in a family that travels, an ambassador's kid or a business person's kid, um, even if he's not French, I mean, we have Italian students and Spanish students who who choose the French school because they know if they have to move every year. They're not going to be doing the same lessons over and over again. They're not going to be mixed up because there's a structure. Yeah, it provides also, for a much smoother transition for the kids, yeah. for sure. And that's the politics of our school has, has just really opened up to other cultures, especially this year with the Passerelle, uh, mm -hmm. uh, which is uh, something you can read about on our website. But getting back to what the French system has to offer the world, um, I, as American, an American person, really see that maternelle, Uh, kindergarten is a structured, um, professional, laid-out um, uh, program at, at the French school. It is not daycare. It is not babysitting. Uh, I think in the United States, a lot of kids get their first school experience when they get to first grade at the age oh, of six, which is late, mm. which is late. And in France, there is a structured pedagogy. There's um, uh, serious training for the teachers, and it is understood that this is something that's valuable, and you see it in French schools in the United States. You see them exploding. Their, their, not, their, their maternelle sections are full, and, and they, don't ha they can't make the school big enough to house all of the kindergarten kids that want to gain access to a French school. Mm -hmm. And then those numbers dwindle and wane after, I'd say, college. Mm -hmm. uh, after the brevet, it gets more challenging. Maybe non-native French speakers have trouble maintaining the level they need to make it all the way through the baccalaureate. But um, what are your thoughts on this? Do you, do you, do you have children? Do you, did you choose this for your own children? I chose it for my children. Um, and uh, do you agree? Yep. I definitely agree. Um, so I have two uh, two children, both in primary. I mean, my son Noe was just oh, got out of uh, kindergarten last year. He's in CP now, and he's he's absolutely loved it. Um, when we first moved here, I put him in a local kindergarten, but then soon enough, he himself asked to um, come here to the school, obviously with me and and his uh, sister. And then while I argued sort of with my husband because I thought you know might as well keep him in a local school for English purposes and all and uh, my husband insisted and so eventually he, he came here to the to, to school in, in PS and he's absolutely loved it and he was so much happier here than he ever was um, at the local at the local school and then as for my daughter We arrived in the middle of her um, MS, so um, not easy for a uh, for a four years old, um, right? To relocate yeah. right in the middle of a school year, um, but then the transition went very um, smoothly. She's now in CM1. She's she's happy. Yeah. And uh, and then yeah, and that the, the education they get is absolutely fantastic. There are there are you know when I originally came in 2006, I came to be part of the new bilingual classes in mm -hmm. the primary that they were they were launching, and it it was an effort a genuine effort to stem the tide of French families who were taking their kids and putting them in local schools because they were only planning on being in Singapore for a year or two, and they thought well. We're going to put them in a local school, so they're really going to learn English. And then when we get back to France, they'll have an advantage, and we'll just catch up what they missed in French, right? But um, 
these bilingual classes opened up and people's, as we spoke about earlier, people's contracts got extended. Mm -hmm. And so um, English, they learned that they can learn English at the French school. They, they do learn English at the French school. So the value of staying at the French school, a lot of parents had to make that choice. Do I want to take advantage of the local kindergarten where they're going to learn English? But miss out on the French kindergarten, yeah. or do I want to put them in the French community? And and with varying results for different families, every family is different. But what would you say um, your contact? What's your experience with families coming in and having to be faced with the choice of, you know, local school, which is going to guarantee English and more integration with the local culture, or the French school, which is going to prepare them? Mm. I mean, what do you do in the maternelle that that brings them in? Um, you know, first of all, I think there's been a shift in, in the profile of, of French families going for work overseas. Uh, uh, the, the link with the, the, the home country uh, uh, is not diminishing, but uh, uh, they want to have a more thorough experience of, you know, that of that new country they're staying in. So obviously, uh, education being so cultural, uh, 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 there is a, a genuine reason for parents to put their kids in local schools and local kindergarten yeah. because they think, you know, and they rightly that their children would be like immersed in the local culture and in local languages, uh, which is, you know, uh, uh, absolutely good and normal yes uh, i experienced this myself when i was in australia you know when uh, uh, my two boys who were uh, at kindergarten age uh, they attended uh, you know uh, an australian kindergarten interesting good good to um know. and but the thing is uh, is first in the short term and in the long term as you said, Colin, if the families plan to go back to France, uh, you know, I within a couple of years, if the idea for the parents is to maintain, uh, let's say, the English language, I always ask the families, what's your long-term plan for that? Yeah. Uh, because unfortunately, languages, you know, it's not like riding a bike. If you don't, if you don't practice, you know, the brain just... Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, just push, pushes it, it in a drawer, files it away, and you exactly. can't find the folder anymore. So <laughs> it's so there, but it's un so unfindable. Obviously, for many, many families, when they come to Singapore, they want the children to learn English, which is very good. But if they don't know how they will be able to sustain that while when they after the Singapore experience, in my opinion, it, that shouldn't be the priority. Yeah. If they know they would be in a position to maintain that in the future, yeah, even though they won't be in Singapore, well, that that's good. But if not, mm, they should probably focus on on the main language that they use at home, mm -hmm. uh, which is, you know, in our community, you yeah. know, the, What's the, the French language. It's widely accepted that the best tool for learning a second language well is a strong base in the first language. Absolutely, so. absolutely. That's why actually here at the, the, the Kindergarten French School, uh, we see more and more families with a French background or, you know, uh, a French and, and American or French Singaporean family who uh, think, okay, at kindergarten, my child will be in local kindergarten learning English and Chinese and he will join the French school in CP so to, to kickstart the French. But they realize that the children not being brought up in the French-speaking environment 
their French is really, really lagging behind. It's and true. parents start to be concerned when the child reaches five that they would not be fluent enough in French to be uh, uh, confident to start, you know, CP on the right track. So uh, I've seen the change. I've only been at the school here for less than three years, but I've seen the, the evolution in those three years that we have more and more parents starting in grande section or starting in, in moyenne section. Uh, just to make sure that you know the the child would have some some French good foundations in French mm. to be first confident in CP but also to have as you said you know good good uh, uh, language foundation in one language so that they can base themselves upon to develop you know the the, the second language yeah. and I think that's very very important because there's nothing more disorientating for a child uh, not to know you know on which fit feet to, 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 to stand, which foot to stand. Understandable, so. understandable. Well, I'm here with Sebastian Clergeau, director of the uh, Lycée Français de Singapour, Ecole Maternelle. Maternelle, did I pronounce that right? That's not bad, Colin. Not, not bad. Well, I, I practiced all night. Thank you. Um, <laughs> well, well, this is one of our more fun segments that I like to do on the show. Um, inspiration, musical thoughts, thoughts of a song that you as a student or a teacher, uh, something to do with education that you've always, you know, kind of in the back of your mind think of now and then. Mm -hmm. Is there anything that jumps to your mind? Uh, yeah, plenty of songs. As a student, the, uh, my cup of tea was more, uh, was more coming from uh, uh, Britain or the U.S., uh, you know, I'm in the generation of the, the I'm, I'm from the grunge generation. The grunge generation, yes. You know, Kurt so, Cobain. So, so, yeah, Kurt company. Cobain. So the 90s is really uh, uh, the, 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 the music that rings to my bell, that my, my ear. That's not necessarily what I listen to nowadays. But uh, but you mentioned, you know, French, French songs. As a teacher, there's a, um, uh, when I first started working uh, with uh, students, grown-up students, I was using songs a lot. Uh, with my students and I was trying to uh, uh, make them discover some some cool tunes or some songs which I thought were really nice yeah and there was this song which I used a lot from this uh, uh, French singer called uh, Mathieu Bogart okay he's, he's not mainstream at all he's pretty arty he hasn't released a lot but uh, I really like him and there was this song in particular which I used to uh, uh, to play to my students and, and we would work on it it was called Las Vegas Las Vegas okay well got, got an American touch to it Absolutely. And, and what was it? Uh, are some of the lyrics that jumped to your mind? Uh, so the song is about, you know, uh, uh, it, it, it sounds a bit American, but obviously the guy speaks in French. Uh, the song is about uh, him and his girl uh, traveling to Vegas to get married. And uh, it's all about the cliches about Las Vegas from a French, you know, the, the perspective of a French guy. And uh, But in the end, you suspect things do not turn out as, as well as they wanted. Sur la route qui mène à Vegas, je nous y vois encore. Elle et moi, on avait la classe dans notre voiture de sport. Main dans la main, on se sourit parce que demain, on va se dire oui. C'est grave comme c'est bien. Quand on se marie, ça je m'en souviens, c'est ce qu'on s'était dit. Dans le poste, il y avait un Jackson, just can't stop loving you. Elle et moi, je veux du klaxon, qu'est-ce qu'on était dans le coup Elle roulait bien, notre Ferrari, c'était pas rien, on était bien partis. Ouais, 
pensais que c'était pour la vie Marine, c'était pas pour le film Qu'on était à l'autre bout du globe Que je t'avais enfilé cette robe C'était pas pour faire snob C'était pas pour la frime Moi j'étais in love Moi j'étais in love Moi j'étais Palace, au bord de la piscine Pour la fête, y a pas meilleure place C'était dans le magazine Des magiciens, des confettis Des musiciens qui jouent du funk qui... C'est grave comme c'est bien Quand on se marie, ça je m'en souviens C'est ce qu'on s'était dit goodbye to Sebastian Clergeau, the director of the uh, Maternelle, and thank you sincerely for coming in and giving us your time. It's been a pleasure talking with you. Thanks for inviting me, Corinne. Bye. Bye-bye. This has been Parkour Ed, the podcast about teachers and how they got to LFS. My name is Colin Daly, and I'd like to thank you for joining us for this podcast. If you have any questions or feedback, don't hesitate to send me an email at cdaily at lfs.edu.sg. That is C-D-A-I-L-E-Y. I look forward to hearing from you. Until next time, bye now.